0: Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Down goes Frazier!
1: Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is disappointed. All oh, the band is out of the field. He's is in right down the line. What do going to crush one in the line. one in the right down the line.
2: What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Winston Ross here supporting it. It's another beautiful Saturday that you guys are listening to us. Not so beautiful was the college national championship game. So me and Xander thought we'd start off with a couple of words or key terms we felt would be necessary to describe the national championship. I want to start off with the word debacle.
0: Moment, disgusting. Treacherous. (sighs) Unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable. Big waste of time. And Nick Saban looked like a fool. 44 to 16. 16 points in the first quarter, and then you folks could have turned off that game and you wouldn't have missed anything else. Unbelievable, Xander, that I put all my chips in the basket of Alabama, waiting for Nick Saban for the first time in his career, his coaching career, to win back-to-back titles. Still haunt him. He would have to go another two years to get that accomplishment done, he is. Uh, this is an interesting topic I want to, that we'll get to later on the show. But what are your thoughts about this Clemson team and overall this game?
0: Well, from a from a fan betting perspective, I was extremely disappointed because I, as you guys know, last week I was doing really well in my bowl pool and to come in second place out of fifty people, huge pool. I needed Alabama to win straight up, and usually when you have Alabama straight up, no spread involved, like you feel pretty good. Um, And this happened to be the worst loss that Alabama has had um, in a long time. And trivia question, who was the last coach to beat Alabama by this many points, by more than 16?
2: Only because you already told me it was Nick Saban at LSU. Right,
0: it was Nick Saban at LSU. Um, This game was just just a shit show. There's no other way to describe it as somebody who was cheering for Alabama. All the credit in the world to Clemson because they really played – a terrific game um, defensively. I thought I thought Will Venables had a an awesome awesome game. Um, I thought that second pick by Tua was great. Disguised coverage. I know he threw it in a triple coverage, but just the whole way that the Clemson defense was vibing. Um, they got a lot of great players. I thought they had a great game plan, and they really made Tua. You know look like a pretty average quarterback, something that he hasn't really looked like the entire year with, you know, like 38 touchdowns, four interceptions. He had two picks in this game, um, did not look very good. Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, I think this guy would have a legitimate shot. And there's actually no question in my mind he would be the number one pick right now if he could come out. I mean, are we in agreement on that, Roz?
2: Completely agree. And the, o oh, I I wanted to make that point. Um, Other than the fact that Kyler Murray seems to be interested in going to the NFL now, I think Trevor Lawrence, as a true freshman, a 19-year-old man, would be the number one overall pick this year. Um, Maybe not so much with the Cardinals having just drafted Josh Rosen, but he'd definitely be the first quarterback taken off the board. I mean, the kid played out of his mind. He didn't look like he was 19 years old. The guy looks like he's been there before. I don't know how many state titles he might have won in high school. But Trevor Lawrence was ready to go. And it shows in his stats, 20 for 32, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. At one point on third and long, he was 9 of 11 for 247 yards and two touchdowns. On third and long. Just want to put that out there.
0: Yeah, and I, and I thought, from my perspective, that was the big, the big key of the game was third downs. Clemson was unstoppable on offense on third down. It was unbelievable how it's bad. basically
2: like they're playing second and short when you take the big play, that was what their third downs came out to be.
0: Right. And look at the Alabama defense. I mean, after that first quarter and a half in the Oklahoma game, um, this defense gave up a boatload of points and did not look good. They were getting picked apart every which way. And I I don't have a good reason for it. I don't understand why. Um, but I think I walked away from this game saying that these are clearly, clearly the two best teams in college football. And, I don't know how differently I see next year going because Alabama is reloading every year. And Clemson Clemson has turned itself, and I think more importantly, Dabo Sweeney has turned this Clemson program into the upper echelon of upper echelon programs um, in college football. Um, And I, I just don't see any other two teams performing at this type of level next year. I mean, they're just so head and shoulders above everybody.
2: Right, and they're returning it unbelievable offense i mean when you look at the top performers for this game it's all clemson players with travis Etienne, you got justin ross the not the rookie but the freshman receiver who made some spectacular plays i mean this is a young loaded clemson offense who does lose a good amount on defense to the pros and to graduation but honestly at the end of the day if this offense can keep you in the game the defense just needs to hold teams to under 20 points and clemson is going to run away with most of their games like they did all year long
0: Right, and I think you mentioned you're exactly right. Really excited about the Clemson offense with with Etn um, Lawrence and Justin Ross. It's just, I mean, Justin Ross looks like he might be the next DeAndre Hopkins. Some of the catches he was making in that game, um, they were awesome. And then you look, they didn't even have Dexter Lawrence, you know, one of their best, you know, defensive linemen um, who is going to go and draft and probably be a top ten pick, but. Yeah, this it was a it was a hard game to watch. You know, I was really rooting for Alabama, not because I really wanted them to win. I just, I wanted to win my pool. I wanted to win some money. Um, so you know, the fact that they just got smoked, it was it was disappointing. It was I was a little confused because you thought like going into halftime, you, I was just like, wow, like they're down by a couple touchdowns, like, but it's okay. They're Alabama. They're gonna come back. In um, the third quarter, you're just like, wow, they're not, they're getting smoked. It was 44-16. Uh, neither team scored in the fourth, and Jalen Hurts came in, um, you know, for a little little backup mop-up duty for Alabama. But another play I want to go over, Roz, uh, very key point in the game. I forgot exactly what the score was, but it was the fourth and six, the fake field goal. Um, Nick Saban, I I don't, I think he just outsmarted himself there. I mean, Clemson was, was clearly. Like ready for a fake field goal. It almost looked like they were in a four three defense, um, and Alabama still like. If you, I don't care if you're gonna go for it on fourth down, but keep keep Tua out. Keep the one the best player in college football out in the field and give yourself a chance. Like don't run it up the middle with your, you know, with your holder and have your kicker as your lead blocker um, against, you know, arguably the best defense in the nation. Like you're not gonna get six yards. That that was a very confusing play for me, Roz, and I think that that was kind of the nail. Um, in the the momentum coffin for Alabama that really, I mean, they just never got back in the game after that.
2: Right. And like you said, I was sitting there waiting for that play. The commentators had even said, it looks like they're going for a fake field goal and Clemson is prepared for it. And they were, they didn't bring their field goal unit onto the, not the Alabama side but the Clemson, bring their field goal block unit out on the field. They left a defense out there and you run it with your, your, snapper not even your snapper whoever catches the ball the holder like that's asking matt collada to run through a c1 off or defense like it's ridiculous it was one of the dumbest things i've ever seen in college football as i'm watching basketball i almost almost said college basketball but uh it was yeah that was the turning point It was like nick saban had no tricks left and he knew Dabo sweeney was so invested in his head that there was not much more to give um and I can't all go on that play. A lot's got to go on Tua. I think it goes kind of kind of under the rug. Tua looked awful, and Tua expects greatness, but it, he's got to bring the greatness in a sense. Like What, what the commentators are saying, Tua was putting the ball where he thought the receivers were going to be. Yet, time and time again, it was an incomplete pass or a big-time interception. And by the way, each inter- interception return was taken back for 50 yards, one for a touchdown. The other one to the other side of the field. It was unbelievable. Not to right. mention how many times Tua had the ball on Clemson's side of the field and they couldn't put it in the end zone. It was right. and we're one gonna, of the worst
0: breakdowns on the end of the game, but that's all the time we have here for the sporting end, everybody. miss the show, you know where to find us.
2: What's up? What's up, everybody? We're going to continue this Alabama Clemson talk for a little bit longer. We're going to hop into the NFL with this segment. Um, I'm currently watching the Hofstra Pride versus the William Mary Tribe um, in a close triple overtime game, 93-90 currently here on Thursday night. Have a lot of money on the line here, but let's hop back in. As I said, Xander, I need your take. Every time we saw Alabama with the ball, they got it to the other side of the 50, just couldn't find the end zone. What was going on and what was so troubling between the 50 and the end zone for them?
0: that's that's a great question um i just they just didn't execute and that that's one thing in alabama football team one thing they just they really get things done they execute almost on every aspect of the game but a team that came in scoring 48 points per game they were shut out over the final 45 minutes um of that game or 44 minutes they scored right at the beginning of the second quarter by the clemson defense um things got a little spooky like I missed the extra point. I just had a it's a little bit of a weird feeling in my stomach. Like it just it was just something that didn't need to happen, but it did. Um, but yeah, they just didn't get it done. They didn't convert when they really needed to on fourth down and a lot of third downs, and that's exactly what Clemson did well, and that's why the game was, you know, basically a thirty point game. Um, really wasn't close.
2: So that's yeah, it, it. another uh definitely not just wasn't the fun Clemson Alabama I'm used to.
0: No, that and that, that was really I think You know, from a fan's perspective, like, you already heard about the ticket prices dropping, you know, a lot compared to the game last year. Uh, Maybe people are getting a little tired of these two, but, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's the best two teams in football by far. Um, But, yeah, you know, we said here another college football season in the books, Roz, and this is kind of how I felt, you know, like that NBA Cavaliers-Warriors thing. It just, like, kept kept dragging on. Um, But those were the two best teams in the league uh, on each side, so... What are you gonna do?
2: Uh, it it is kind of funny how it is Warrior Cavs esque. Just it's way more entertaining oh because yeah, you don't actually know which is gonna win,
0: right? Um, I think I think you have a great. Both sides have a chance. Like we're both very similar skill wise. And Clemson, I mean, when they won that national championship, I think that just paves the way for recruiting heaven. Um, being able to say that to people, and you know, Dabo. I think is a very entertaining guy to watch. Seems like like his players really like playing for him. Um, so they, Seems I mean, like a great guy. Seems somebody like great you want to hang out with. Yeah. Um, somebody you go grab a beer. Go to lunch with him.
2: <laughs> you definitely uh, grab a lunch. Maybe get a turkey sandwich with him. He's going to go in on some heavy protein, like maybe a good burger. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to um, lunch with
0: Nick Saban, though. I don't know about that one.
2: No, Nick Saban, you got to go on a boat trip and tranquilize him. Just make sure he's uh, alive at the end of it. But Dabo, here's a fun thing. So I understand where the series is at, Sander. It's at two-two. But somebody brought it up to me today: Dabo Sweeney, two and one against Nick Saban in the championship game. Hmm. That is a that is a. Hmm. That's a big. Hmm. Um, so, is he technically the winner?
0: Uh, I mean, I mean, if if Dabo Sweeney is going to retire today, is he all-time better coach than Nick Saban? No. But, I mean, who's to say what's going to happen the next 10 years? I really don't know. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see the level of domination that we've seen from Alabama over this long of a stretch. I mean, I know Clemson's been top-notch for the past four years, but Alabama has basically been in this category for about, I think, 10 years now. It's pretty, it's pretty insane if you think about it. Um, so, you know, that's another, another door closed, another season in college football. Um, it was fun. I think there was a lot of a lot of great teams out there that we could find back next year. I think one of those I'm looking at is Texas. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna be a team to watch. I think Georgia again will be a team to watch. Um, and i I hate to say it right now, Roz, but I think next year might be the year of the Wolverine, <laughs> even though we're we're about two years into that song. But uh, first full year with all of John or Jim Harbaugh's all of his recruits. There's no more excuses. There's you're, nothing. It sounding like hat the on. New
2: York Giants and the New York Mets guy again. Just, you never learn. I don't. I don't. And then that you snipped John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh a little while ago. Now he's off the snip list. It sounds.
0: Hey, he's still on the snip list, but I'm going to say there there's some light at, at the end of that tunnel. There's a little bit of light.
2: Very fair. So I think it's time to go from one Harbaugh to another as we saw the one of the worst performances by the Baltimore Ravens in a play, playoff game. And I understand the comeback. Let me tell you, the comeback was fun and entertaining, but a rough go for Mr. John Harbaugh not putting Joe Flacco into that game.
0: Yeah, this was um, something you heard, you know, Tony Romo, Jim Nance talking about while it was happening, and they, br- they brought up some good points. Um, and you're right, I mean, the Ravens, they had a chance at the end, but this entire game it was it was tough to watch. Um, but from a Chargers fan perspective, like I'm I'm a big Chargers guy. You know I've always liked Philip Rivers. I I've liked to see him win one, so that was fun to watch because I, I thought the Chargers they really executed at a high level. And I know you know the old theory goes you don't win games by kicking field goals like you need to score touchdowns. But I thought for every scenario. I thought that the Chargers, they just kept pounding. They kept getting after it. And, you know, being up 12 points with no touchdowns at the end of the first half, I thought that was a great job by them. Um, they held off the Ravens, but yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson, he had, a, he had a bad game, Roz. I mean, there's there's really nothing... There's no other way to describe but it. But how
2: can he be your future when you see the way he passes? I understand the two touchdown passes on his stat. The two for 11 for 27 yards through the first three quarters. I mean... That is a come on, man, if I've ever seen one. And also, to your Chargers point, who you're excited to see, Lamar Jackson, who I just shot on, finished with more passing yards than Bill Rivers in that game. Lamar Jackson had more rushing yards than Melvin Gordon in that game. And the highest receiver was Kenneth Dixon with 53 yards, also for the Baltimore Ravens. The Chargers... Not very impressive. They haven't been impressive down the stretch, and they go into Foxborough. I where completely. I, is I disagree.
0: I disagree with you so much right now. If you didn't think that game was impressive, you just you just weren't watching it. Because the Chargers, I, I don't think it's
2: impressive by any degree of any level. Like, how do you kick five field goals in the first half and not score on one possession? Tell me, tell me where you're it's, impressed. How Tell I, me that Philip impressed? Rivers' numbers Who were behind bu- Jackson. I don't care. See, you're,
0: you're being a numbers guy. I'm looking at the game. They dominated the game. They're playing against the best defense in football. And I don't, I don't care how many yards They gave they the Ravens forth. a chance
2: to win. How is that dominating? With 53 seconds left, Lamar Jackson, who had no shot in hell of completing it, was given a shot to beat Philip Rivers in Chargers. if you think Tom Brady, given 53 seconds against Philip Rivers, is going to blow that opportunity, you're out of your mind. And you're out of your mind right now I'm that you think the Chargers mind. are a relevant team.
0: Dude, how about this? Not only are they going to cover, but they're going to win straight up next week, and I'm going to shove it right up your ass. So, go ahead. Take your Patriots minus four. Let's get aggressive.
2: Give me the Patriots minus four right now. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's something they've done before. Ask Philip Rivers the last time he beat Tom Brady. You can say never because he has never done it.
1: I got to tell you. First time
2: for everything, There's a time for everything. His time's running out. It's time to go be a nanny for the nine kids he has back home in San Diego. Wow.
1: A
0: lot of love lost right here, but... That's game one of the divisional round. But let's break down the other three games because there was a lot of good football. um, I'm going to put your
2: heartbreak on hold because we'll get to that game. But let's talk Colts Texans, the game I called correctly. I'm not sure what side of the coin you were on, but this inspired looking Colts team, 21 7, and a nice convincing victory over a Texans team that you are now putting O'Brien on the snip list.
0: O'Brien is on my snip list uh, simply for the reason that. That Houston team was not ready at all to play in that football game. It was disgusting. It was terrible. You know, to have Deshaun Watson, Hopkins, J.J. Watt, and Clowney, they got absolutely murdered. Um, and it was twenty-one nothing at half. They, they just they didn't even show up. And I honestly thought the Texans had a chance to make a run in the playoffs. Um, I just think they had the makings of, you know, a team that could make a run. I mean, with two of those great defensive players in Watt and Clowney and a guy like Watson who has the ability to make a big play at any time. I mean, you've seen it in the NFL. You saw it back at Clemson, but you're right, Roz, this Colts team playing inspired, playing great football, two all pro rookies, uh, one on each side of the ball. Andrew Luck showing us why he was the number one overall pick. I mean, before his shoulder injury about six years ago, <laughs> um, the guy was slinging the ball around the field, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. Marlon Mack, 24 carries for a buck 48 and a tutty. They were firing on all cylinders. And I'll tell you what, Roz, they might just give the Kansas City Chiefs a run for their money this weekend. But that is all the time we have here for the sporting edge, everybody. If you miss the show, you know where to find us libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We're going to be back after the break with more football because we got a lot of games to break down.
1: that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbershow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbershow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubb at thebubbershow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbershow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubble Report. What's up, everybody? We've cooled down a little bit.
2: It's about to get a little more steamy up in here because I know me and Xander are going on different sides of the coin. But so far, I'm right, and so far, he's wrong. So it doesn't really matter to this point. What we were finishing off with was the Colts versus the Texans, where Andrew Luck threw for 222 yards, two touchdowns. But pretty impressive in the first half. Again, they were held scoreless in the second half. That's not going to do it at the end of the day. Here's a fun fact for you, Xander. 89 touchdowns coming into this matchup. The Colts versus the Chiefs. 39 from Andrew Luck, who was second this year. 50 from Patrick Mahomes, who was first this year, obviously. That is the most touchdowns in a matchup in postseason history ever. How about that? Fun fact.
0: Well, that is a very fun fact. Um, I think this should be a very fun game to watch.
2: I'm Especially because toward... the Chiefs were given a gift of a line at minus 5.5. When they went up 34-13, somebody give me the call because I'll be cashing in my money.
0: Wow. Look at you. So high in the Colts, now so low. Um, I'm going to be on the uh, the opposite side of the coin here again. Um, I like
2: Let's go to war, like... baby. I like... Divisional round war.
0: Yeah, I like how this Colts football team is playing. Um, and I, I hate to say this about Andy Reid because I really like the guy, but... He's pretty notorious for not really showing up in the postseason when it counts. I know he got to that one Super Bowl with Philly and Donovan McNabb and T.O. But you look at Andy Reid's career, it's been a lot of a lot of early playoff exits, a lot of disappointment. And I don't know if I see I don't know if I see things any differently here. Um if the Chiefs win, I I'm not gonna be surprised if they win, but I think this Colt this Colts team is just they're gonna be a tough team to beat. And I think Frank Reich. Andrew Luck, I think they're they're just a, a dynamic duo right now. And there's, nothing, there's nothing else to say about it. Frank Reich came from Philly, was doing some great things last year over there with Wentz and Nick Foles. Um, and this Colts team, after starting one and five, I mean, they've been essentially the hottest team in the NFL. So I like the Colts plus five and a half here. I think it should be a pretty high-scoring game, um, and I'm looking forward to come down or maybe, you know, maybe like a last possession.
2: Uh, that would be fun, but... That last possession will just be a kneel down when Pat Mahomes has been up by 30 points for two quarters. Let's get into the NFC. since we cover the to complete AFC? I'm mad. I think you're mad. Dallas should be mad. Seattle should be mad. The only person that should be happy is Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett about this game. It's the worst thing, at least for Dallas, to have had happen because it's another year of Jason Garrett, it's another year of Jerry Jones thinking he has the right team on the field, The Cowboys winning this game was atrocious and is going to affect Dallas for the next five years. (laughs) And I don't think they're very good. I don't think Dak Prescott is anywhere near the talent of the other quarterbacks in this postseason. But Ezekiel Elliott, for some reason, finds a way all the time, 137 yards, and the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. They slip away with a two-point win over Seattle. Dallas, in the kindest way possible, you guys are fine.
0: Very funny take, and I don't know if I feel as extreme about it, but I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think Jason Garrett needs to go, but every time he does this, wins a playoff game, he's like, it's like a five-year extension. Um, but I just, I just don't think they have. Maybe not. It could be the right team. I just don't think Jason Garrett's the guy. I don't think he ever really has been. Um, they've been pretty much a 500 football team. You look at Jason Garrett's tenure, but at the same time, he said Zeke, all, all he does is eat. I mean, I love watching him run the ball because he's just, dude, the guy just goes and gets it. Like there's nothing really that flashy about him. Um, he just eats yards and he eats the football and he'll, he's just good for like a hundred yards and a touchdown. He's like your stereotypical prototypical, just great running back. A uh, big reason for this team's success. But you know, Dallas, I mean, they stormed back in the fourth quarter, uh very inspiring effort by them, but yeah, I just don't know if I just don't know if this team has what it takes to beat the Rams and then you know beat the Saints because um, I think the Saints are gonna beat the Eagles. I know what you're saying, Dallas already murdered the Saints, but I just I don't think they have the potential to get back um to the glory days of the nineties. I just don't think they're good enough
2: you like. You like the Rams minus seven, basically, is what we're getting at.
0: I do like the Rams minus seven, and I know that it's a very big line. It's, it's a big line to take. It's
2: a big line for the postseason. Yeah, big line for the postseason. But you think about it, the, the offense has not been there for the Rams the last couple of weeks, and I do not think Gurley playing, which it sounds like he's going to do, is going to revitalize it. I'm hoping it's a quick game. I really do. I hope the Rams, similar to the KC fashion I just mentioned, I think they blow out the Cowboys. I understand the Cowboys' defense, which you brought up last week, but Dak Prescott can't play with these guys. That's just in my opinion, and I, I think it's going to show on on whatever day they're playing.
0: Yeah, they're playing Saturday at seven um, fifteen Central, so don't miss it. That's actually
2: tonight. well, he's going to show it tonight, folks. If you're listening right now, Dak yeah. Prescott choke
0: city. I think um, key to this game for the Rams, they got to get up early, um, and hopefully that'll lead to a big victory. Because my thing with the Cowboys can play from from ahead like they have the running game they have the defense that they can grind out the clock but if this team falls behind I mean you're you're gonna put a, I like Dak Prescott but I mean you're putting a lot on his plate um to try to lead a team back but you know that's one of the reasons they got Amari Cooper they needed a, a downfield weapon um you saw Michael Gallup finally showed up and didn't show up the entire year on my fantasy team but he caught a touchdown in the game against the Seahawks. Um, Still got Cole Beasley, one of the better possession receivers in football, I think. So, you know, this game could be interesting, and I think the seven-point line is kind of a trap line, I think, for me to take the Cowboys, but I'm not going to fall into the trap. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick with the Rams, who were a little disappointing down the stretch there, you know, on both sides of the ball, but I think this is a better team. I think that extra week of preparation, I think we're going to see a lot of great things from Goff, Gurley, and the whole crew over there. So I like the Rams minus seven. Um, I think they win the game by 20 points.
2: Great call. We're going to be on the same side for the first time. Usually, we do agree on NFC looks. And let me tell you, I gave all the props in the world. I had, so, so I was thinking of the word I submitted. That's the word I was looking for. And knew the Bears were a good team. Tough loss. Not showing they're a bad team, but it is a tough loss. Neither team really scoring the ball, so neither team at fault. And it's now knowing it was a blocked kick. I think a little has to be taken off a of parky. But how are we feeling? We're still in some heartbreak. I know my friends back home, including you, are not happy. What's going on? Bears lose. Are they the Jacksonville Jaguars the next year? Now with Vic Fangio leaving.
0: Yeah, big blow. Yeah, today, um, Thursday, Vic Fangio going to the Broncos. Um, it kind of makes you think for a second. You know, the NFL, uh, not for long. League. You, you never truly know what's going to happen the next year because so many different variables. And like you said, Roz, Jaguars. I mean, if you were going to tell me that they'd be a 4-1 team after going to the AFC Championship game, after being one good half of football away from the Super Bowl, if you guys remember that game, they just absolutely blew it against the Patriots and Tom Brady. 4-12 um, and 12 the next year, Blake Bortles no longer their starting quarterback. It just makes you, it makes you appreciate, first of all, getting in the playoffs um, but, yeah, th- this loss really hurt. And it was weird for me because I think all of you know on the show, I'm I'm a huge fantasy football guy. Like, I'm not really particularly in love with the Bears. Not because I don't love the Bears. Just I'm just more into fantasy. Like, I like watching all the games. But this, this loss really hurt. It really cut to the heart because, you know, fantasy's over. Like, I'm from Chicago. I've always liked the Bears. Like, I just wanted them to win really badly. And to see them lose like that – um, It was heartbreaking because you saw the kick go off. You see it hit the upright and move to the right, and you're just like, it's got a chance to go in. And then it hits the crossbar, and then you're thinking, like, which side of the crossbar is it on? And then you see it bounce in front of the end zone. And it was heartbreak, a lot of emotion, a lot of disbelief. Um, I was in disbelief, first of all, that the Bears defense let Nick Foles drive down the field with three minutes left in the game. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around. I know people are very unhappy with Cody Parkey, and I was as well. But I mean, after everything kind of simmered down, I think you take a look at the game as a whole and say, you know, the Bears' defense—they really let them down late in the fourth quarter there, especially with the fourth and goal touchdown. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts were, Roz, but I think there's a, I think they could all look themselves in the mirror in Chicago. Um, they all could have done a little better, but we got we got Foles. we got folds again.
2: Right, I. My dad called me the morning of the game. He's like, you know what, Ethan? We haven't had a good stretch. Throw some good karma in the world. Try rooting for the Bears today. My dad thought it would be fun. He was at a bar or wherever he was with a bunch of his faculty friends. And he was rooting for the Bears, for the, like rooting with them for the Bears. Just because we were from Chicago, he was given a root. So I like, went in optimistic. I wasn't going to root for anybody, but I wasn't going to cheer against the Bears. It was hard not to, and I could not have laughed harder Ash been running around my place more when he missed that field goal. Um, I didn't need the Bears to win. I'm, let me be real. I'm hanging a four-time Super Bowl championship flag of the Green Bay Packers above my bed right now. Um, there was no shot I was going to root for that Bears team, so I'm over it. I'm hoping they're going to be four and ten next, four and twelve next year, like the Jaguars, and I'm ready for Aaron Rodgers to torch Mitch Trubinsky next year because I'm going back to not pronouncing his name right. I did. I did really good last week. I'm going Mitch, back to my old ways. Mitch um, Chicago Bears, done.
0: Chicago yep, Bears, Not going to pronounce it right. I heard it here first. Uh, that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. We've got one segment left. we still got a little bit more football to break down, but if you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back after the break.
2: What's up everybody? We are back and we're gonna finish up our talks on the NFC. But this is something interesting I heard once from a mutual friend of Wits and I, and this goes to the Bears game about the kick. And it is you see your kicker all the time. When it comes down to crunch time, they show him on the sideline kicking into that net. You saw the abuse um, that net abstained or perceived from uh, from Od or I can't even think of it, Odell Beckham Jr. But then the kicker comes on the field, and you know what comes next. If there's a timeout to be wasted, the coach is going to call a timeout. We were instructed by our friend that if you're the kicker, never kick the first kick because you get in your head instantly because you see where the ball went, whether it's good or whether it's bad, and all you can think about is the tiny adjustments you want to make. And to me, that was evident in what ended up happening with Cody Parkey and that final kick.
0: Yeah, and when you brought that up to me, I had never thought about it like that, but and I started thinking about it more, it, it made so much sense because I think you're right. The practice, you practice in the net, you get a, an exact feel, and then you get out and you have one shot to perform like what you need to do. For me, it's kind of like playing golf. Like you get on the range, you take some practice swings, and maybe when you get up to the ball in the round, like, you know, maybe you, you do a couple things, like take a couple easy swings, but I feel like it's not, I'm not trying to take a perfect practice swing right before I hit the ball because that's what I'm trying to do when I address the ball. Um, and I had a similar thought with Cody Parkey. It's like you kick that first one, and it was it a was pretty good kick. It was like right, I would say, a little left to center, but it was like right there. And then after that, right, you're trying to do the same thing. It was thing.
2: fading left a little bit. That's it's, what me and my roommates noticed. It was fading left, and so what we thought is he was going to adjust it and then hook it ultimately right. Yet he just he pushed it away again on the miss.
0: Right. So, but it was a really interesting point, yeah. Because if you think about it, it's like, you know, if you've done all your practicing, you know what you want to do with the ball. You, you you know the wind. You've practiced on the field before the game. It's like so. you Just go up and you have one shot to do what you got to do. And I I think like it, when when he when he did when he took the kick after the timeout, it's like now you're just in your head about like if it was good kick. I got to do the same stuff or a little off. And you know, I don't. I mean. I guess the guy got his finger on it. I know that came out way later, but you know maybe he was pushed a little more left than he wanted to. Um, but yeah, there're not not much to describe that game besides heartbreaking. You know, it was it was an unbelievable season, um, an overachieving season. I mean, before Khalil Mack went to the Bears, I think a lot of people thought this Bears team would be lucky to win to win eight games. Like, and that would be that would be a pretty good season if we went 500 because it looked like the Packers and the Vikings just had better football teams. Um, with the signing of Khalil Mack came a lot of hope, especially with a defense that was pretty damn good last year. I think when we had three guys on the all-pro team this year, which is, is pretty unheard of. Um, so the fact that we just had that great of a season and it ended on that missed field goal was, was very heartbreaking. But... You know, I I don't think, Roz, I don't think this team will end up like the Jaguars. That's my honest opinion. I think Matt Nagy is too good of a coach. Um, I think their defense is too good. I think they're better than the Jaguars were last year. And I also think there's a lot of room for growth on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they got to 12 wins with Mitch Trubisky, who I think he definitely had some potential, but he's got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of weapons over there. I think Tariq Cohen... um, is turning into like the new Danny Woodhead, the division two star who did a lot of great things for the bears this year. He was really fun to watch. Um, but give a lot of credit to the Eagles, man. They, uh, the they've been in like playoff mode for the past five weeks, um, with Nick Foles. So why stop now they're going to new Orleans and whew, I hate to bet against the Eagles, man. Cause Nick, Nick Foles is just like the playoff quarterback of the century right now.
2: Right. It's just eight-point spread. It's another hefty playoff spread. And you mentioned heartbreak loss for the Bears. I initially felt bad, hence why if you go in our group text with all of our friends back home, I didn't say anything after the game. But then I think to myself, have you guys seen an onside kick recovered? that cost you a game? Have you seen Aaron Rodgers? get hit, and the ball hit off his leg, and Arizona returns it for a for touchdown. Have you seen Larry Fitzgerald left wide open, best receiver maybe, of our generation, and he leads the team to a win? I mean, yeah, I've but seen you, more heartbreaking but you didn't, losses you didn't, my, an,
0: you didn't have an eight-year playoff drought, though, so that's why like play, Packers are in the playoffs every year, except the last two. <laughs>
2: they all hurts the same, but you're right. Let's talk about this Eagles-Saints game. Again, the Saints, like the Rams, have not been offensively the greatest in the recent stretch. So this is interesting. Eight's a lot of points. The defense is pretty good in Philadelphia. Does Nick? It's all dependent on if Nick Foles really keeps this up, honestly. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I don't know what you're thinking. I have an idea of who I want to bet, but I kind of want to hear your take. But maybe help me out a little bit.
0: Yeah, so I think the Saints are a better football team. They've had a fantastic year, and I agree kind of like the Rams have have not been as impressive down the stretch I think they're a great team but I think eight eight for me is too much here and the reason I say that is Nick Nick Foles kind of Nick Foles and Trevor Lawrence kind of remind me of each other not because not only because they look a little bit alike but they just don't seem to be affected at all by like the magnitude of the moment no no matter how small or big it is they just it just there's like no effect like even after Nick Foles won that game it just seemed like nothing was going on and sometimes that's what you want from like a player performing at that high of a level you just want a guy who's like you're pretty even keel like doesn't get affected by the moment um, and that's why I, I like the Eagles plus eight in this game I think they have a shot to win um, first up straight up but I just think eight is too much for me I think this is going to be a one possession game I I just don't see the Saints dominating the Eagles. Um like the spread might indicate. And I think Nick Foles will find a way to keep it close. I mean I know the Saints defense, which is in the past been their Achilles heel is is one of the reasons why this team is the number one seed in the NFC. But I, I think Nick Foles keeps it close. I think they score twenty one points. Um yeah, I think it's gonna be a close one.
2: I have to go I have to go Saints minus eight. It's not what I'm confident about, it's not what I'm happy about. Um but I have to do it just because I think the Foles things end. But I want to talk about Foles because it seems like Carson Wentz is closer to returning than not expected, but he seems pretty healthy. And my question is, are they going back to him in the postseason? Because when Nick Foles is bad is when he has something to lose. And I think that um, it's very clear at the beginning of the season he had to lose his starting position, and that was with Carson Wentz coming back. But last year's postseason and this year's postseason, there's somewhat of a sense that it's Nick Foles' team, and that's why he remains so composed.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting point, and I think it'd be super interesting, like if the Eagles happen to win another Super Bowl, can you honestly start Carson Wentz next year?
2: <laughs> well, Nick Foles is a free agent next year, so okay, if you're the Eagles, I didn't, I forgot you, about that. <laughs> Is, do you sign him though? <laughs> he's a two-time Super Bowl winning champion. In that case,
0: I mean, honestly, if I me, mean, I don't, I don't know if I would. Like, I, I think Carson Wentz is great. I think he's going to have a great career. Um, but it, it would be super interesting a guy who just like doesn't play at all during the regular season, plays a couple games, then he comes in when it matters the most and just like performs
2: like the at Bron the James, highest level. Although LeBron plays every regular season game, right.
0: um, <laughs> it, it would be. I think it'd be one of the better sports stories of all time, honestly. If Nick Foles was able to win back-to-back Super Bowl in the same sort of fashion, like he started this year, Carson Wentz was hurt, and he came in, he was like started playing at the end of this year when the Eagles were like fighting for their lives to make the playoffs, um, and they did, they just got it done every week. So we'll see. But that is all the four games in the divisional round. We we are down to eight teams. Um, next week we'll be down to four. Before you know it. Super Bowl Sunday, one of the best days of the year. We'll be here again. Got It should, <laughs> should be a national holiday. No, Monday. The, the Monday should be a national holiday after that. But, uh, Roz, you got about 10 seconds left. Any final thoughts on the sporting world or the NFL world?
2: Yeah, the Steelers blow my mind. The fact that the president said that Antonio Brown will not be part of their team in 2019. You lose Bell and Brown in the same year. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, could be a, a rough year in Steeler Town because uh, it looks like the Baltimore Ravens are not going anywhere. and Who knows about the Bengals? Uh, maybe they get a new coach, they might be able to win a playoff game. And, of course, do not count out the Browns because they look like they are only getting better each year. That is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find And it.
2: Charles Matthews sucks at free throws.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back next week. See you, everybody. Looking, looking, in the end zone. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty,
1: and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.